This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Alabama 4th District Representative Robert Adderholt. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Bayer Crop Science and the Habitale app. Learn more about how you can help monarch butterflies at farmersformonarchs.org. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Appropriations Member Congressman Robert Adderholt next. The U.S. Department of Fish and Wildlife will soon be making a recommendation to add monarch butterflies to the nation's endangered species list. Crop Science, a division of Bayer, is encouraging farmers and landowners to plant habitat, including milkweed, to help this very important species of pollinators. Then download the app, Habitali, and record habitat that already exists, as well as your new efforts to protect monarchs. For more information, visit FarmersForMonarchs.org and be sure to record your efforts by May 31st to the Habitali app. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Emergency spending legislation has taken center stage in finding ways to support those industries most affected by the coronavirus pandemic. Even as President Trump recently signed new support legislation into law, Alabama Congressman Robert Adderholt expects yet another round of support legislation to be addressed on Capitol Hill. I think there will be another round. I think that it's uncertain when that will be. Of course, as you know, the majority leader had announced that we would go back in session next week, but now they have uh, withdrawn that, saying that we won't. So I think there's a lot of questions up in the air as to when we will go back into session. Um, and um, I, I mean, obviously, I think over the next couple of weeks we'll we'll be doing something. I don't think we'll be indefinitely out. But as far as when we'll get a, a piece of legislation on the floor, you know, I can see it being well into May before that happens. Of course, as you know, the the ag sector is is hurting, and uh, we want to make sure that these farmers, ranchers, and producers are are not going out of business. And uh, I think that will be one of the main topics that will be in this fourth bill. So from 30,000 feet looking down, assistance so far has grown the budget deficit almost $4 trillion. Can the nation afford to or afford not to continue to attempt to prop up this economy? I think that's what we're all struggling with right now is that definitely is a lot of issues that we're having to deal with as far as the overall debt of this country. Uh, We were in a lot of debt before COVID-19 ever took place, but we're in a situation where we don't really have a choice, but right now do what we can to try to make sure our economy doesn't crash. And so we're doing everything we can, and a lot of it's stuff that we normally would not want to do. So I think, as you rightly say, is we can't afford not to, even though technically we can't afford to do it. But it's like someone once said, if uh, recently they were describing this, is if your if your house is on fire, you're you're not really concerned about how much the water costs uh, as you're putting out the fire. So I think that's the quandary we find ourselves in. But uh, obviously, I think that we've got to do these things because if we don't, uh, it'll be much worse uh, than if we've done nothing. With the payment protection program, does it continue to need to run through the Small Business Administration, and and how do you respond to their work on this so far? 
Well, I think so far it has worked reasonably well. Now, as you know, there's, there's been issues and there's been problems, and no question there will continue to be uh, hiccups along the way. But I think overall this program has worked quite well. Uh, I, ha- I have had some uh, constituents that have been able to access it quite rapidly. Others have had to wait uh, just because of getting their processing has taken a while. And as you know, when the program was first initiated about two or three weeks ago, it was a crash on the system, so to speak, because so many people were tapping into the, the portals. So obviously there's going to be issues, but I think overall it's done a, uh, they've done a good job. And so I think that uh, we should right now, unless something unforeseen happens, continue under the SBA portals as it has been and operated. For agriculture, this most recent bill, $16 billion, another $14 billion coming in July. There's questions huh. if payment limits should be intact for these dollars. Now, Senator Hoven said that, yes, they needed to be in place, but perhaps they could be at a higher mark. What say you? Well, I'm hearing from my, I was talking to my cattleman just a few days ago, and, and certainly there is the $125,000 limit is a concern. So I, I think it's something uh, I would agree with uh, Senator Hoven that we would need to look at that to see if that could be increased because, quite honestly, uh, a lot like for cattlemen, while we don't have, you know, here in Alabama, we don't have a lot of those that would be in that category, but there would be quite a few, and also they have a big impact on the other producers uh, and other cattlemen in the state where they interact with. And of course, I know other states uh, have a larger, have a lot of uh, those that would be affected by a $125,000 limit. So I would definitely be open to, along with my colleagues, to try to see if we could raise that to a, an appropriate amount. I would also agree with uh, Senator Hoven that, of course, there has to be some limit on it. But at the same time, I think seeing an increase of over 120 of, of greater than 125,000 would be appropriate. Already a group of House members is talking about, again, that next round of support, and they're using a figure of $50 billion for agriculture. You sit on appropriations and on the Ag Subcommittee. What are your thoughts about that volume? Well, that's a lot of money. But, you know, obviously being someone who is very pro-agriculture, I want to make sure that we do everything we can to protect ag and make sure that we're I'll have uh, food security in this country, and I don't want to see farmers go out of business because of this. So where that number will actually end up being at $50 billion or whatever, I don't know. I'm open to let's looking at different options and seeing what we really need, but obviously I don't want to do anything that's going to put farmers and ranchers and producers out of business and do anything that would cause that to be impacted in a negative way. Following the CARES Act, uh, Speaker Pelosi and President Trump both mentioned a need for infrastructure spending and perhaps that being in a future support bill. Was that ever on the table? And if so, is it still on the table now? Well, obviously, because of the interest rates being so low, this would be an appropriate time to look to do something like that. But that goes back to the issue that we talked a few minutes ago, and that's the fact that that the debt in this country is so great right now. I, uh, I know the president wants to do it. If we could find a way to work with him to try to do it, then that would be great. But obviously, while I understand the need to that, as I mentioned earlier, we don't want to cut corners right now and be concerned about the putting out the fire by the cost of the water. But at the same time, ultimately, we have to look to the future. And when this is over, we've got to understand the debt that we have. So 
I would want to be very cautious about going into uh, great amounts of additional debt for infrastructure purposes just because of the long long range impact it would have on the debt. A lot of tough questions come now for leaders like yourself. Uh, the way forward for the packing and the processing industry is critical for livestock producers across the country. Senator Durbin last week when we talked discussed uh, the balance between keeping workers obviously safe but also keeping workers on the job. That's not an easy choice. Well, I have had that in my district quite uh, up front and personal. One of my uh, Wayne Farms uh, facilities here has had uh, 80 cases to break out uh, within their, their one facility in uh, Albertville, Alabama. And uh, I understand there's maybe at least one death. Well, obviously, keeping the workers safe is something that's paramount. As you know, the president today signed the uh, executive order to keep those processing plants open to make sure we have enough food supply for the country. But obviously, I think the USDA has got to work very closely with these processing plants to make sure they're doing everything they can to keep the workers safe. And, of course, if the workers have any concern, there needs to be a a way they can reach out to USDA and let them know that things need to be changed so that they can be protected. Now, I know that Wayne Farms here in uh, the 4th District of Alabama are working very diligently to try to make sure that they're doing everything they can to protect their workers, but uh, it's a very delicate situation because you have so many workers that are working so close together, and obviously that's some real difficult issues to have to deal with and that's why the government we i think the government is working with these to supply the personal protection equipment that these workers need to make sure they can do their job uh, not only efficiently but also safely a story that illustrates uh, the situation with the packing industry multiple stories recently of animals being euthanized as opposed to being processed uh, simply exacerbating the situation and then the question is, how do we prevent scorched earth or the loss of this infrastructure that supports our nation's livestock producers? This is more than just immediate jobs. This is more than just a few animals. This is about the, the structure of the industry and, and the nation. Yeah, well, not only are you have a, understand a lot of the animals that are being euthanized, but also you're having a lot of crops that are rotting in the fields, too. So that's an equally, especially when you talk about food security for this country. And I think that's one reason that I think the president want to go forward with his executive order to make sure that, that they do stay open. But we've got to make sure that we have an adequate food supply, especially you've heard the stories just as I have about the long lines at the uh, food banks. So this is a delicate balance. And I know that uh, Secretary Purdue and the president are working to try to make sure they thread the needle in such a way that we do have that adequate food supply but also make sure that these workers are protected in every way we, they can. One of the things as far as crops in the field that have been discussed, and I know that Rick Crawford from Arkansas has been working on this very aggressively, is this Farm Corps program that helps veterans and reservists that have lost their jobs to work with these farmers to try to make sure that they get the crops out of the ground and make sure they get picked, especially when the issue comes with these H-2A visas not being accessible as normal. Social distancing has put a renewed emphasis on the need for adequate and effective broadband, even to the last mile of service. Farmers and other businesses in rural areas have been caught in this situation. Does this increase the urgency to see this job all the way through? Absolutely. 
This is the issue that, you know, I have been working on when I chair the Ag Subcommittee on the House Appropriations between FY19 and FY20. We uh, were able to get a right at a uh, trillion dollars into this program and uh, because rural America is really suffering, this brings it home because kids are not being able, school children are not being able to uh, take classes uh, in their schools and they've been able to have to depend on it. A lot of uh, doctors are now reverting to telemedicine to make sure that they can uh, have, um, they can see their patients that otherwise cannot get to see them uh, to go into a doctor's office, which would needless to say be more dangerous than even just a regular checkup. I know my own dad several years ago had the colon cancer. He recently had his appointment for a checkup with his doctor uh, took place over the telephone. And uh, while that's not broadband Internet, it just shows the example of what we're seeing, that now the need for uh, not only healthcare sector but also in the education sector and people being able to telecommute and so many people that are unable to do it. So having school children, you know, be left out is really, I think, shows the real need that where we need to make sure that broadband is in all parts of all the corners of the United States and especially in, in rural America. So let's dig another uh, layer here if we can. There are a lot of different agencies that have been involved and money been appropriated from a lot of different areas. Should there be a central effort or are we going about it in a way where all of these agencies and all of these dollars are working together, not only public funds, but private industry as well? Well, it has worked well from my perspective. I know that some of the co-ops in Alabama have worked toward laying this broadband cable and to making sure that that has worked well. I know that these there's a, a long list of people that are, want to have access to these these programs and be able to access the money. So right now, I think it's we we have a system that's working. I think we just need to make sure that we allow the money to be released in a timely manner to these co-ops and these other companies that are trying to provide rural broadband and make sure that the funding is there, then they have access to it. In farm country, we're always talking about the farm bill, either the one that was just done or the one that's coming up. We're not far from really coming back into that discussion again as it comes around to 2023. Are the dollars that have been appropriated so far to prop up agriculture and the dollars that will be afforded toward agriculture, does that work against us when it comes time to write another farm bill? Well, that's certainly, I think, going to be a a, a big issue is because, as you say, the farm bill is going to be coming around before we know it. And I think this is going to really change the conversation that we've had with the farm bills in the past and how we deal with some of these issues. And I think farm bills that were written in the past, uh, uh, COVID-19 or some other pandemic was really not in the, you know, may have way down the list of things that was to be considered, but it really wasn't anything that was a a serious consideration. So I think that COVID-19 and the coronavirus situation overall has will make this next farm bill conversation come to a whole new light and i think that it will cause us to relook at the amount of money that we're putting into the farm bill and so that uh, we can do everything we can to again if this comes up in the future and it very easily might uh, sooner rather than later then uh, we will have the capacity to deal with it we were not in good shape as you suggested before this covid crisis began 
after it's over, what state are we in then, and how does it affect the function of the nation? Well, I think that we have a lot that we have gained from this COVID-19 situation as far as uh, the problems that we have in our ag community and uh, in our the ag sector of this country and things that we need to improve. So um, I think that, um, you know, while we do have a very robust ag economy in this country and we have great farmers and producers and ranchers that uh, are doing a great job out there, I think it shows all the more need of that uh, national security uh, and food security are very much the same thing and that we need to do everything we can to protect uh, uh, ag in this in this country. So I think it just brought home the fact that, we need to do, we need to, and the areas that we need to improve in. But, um, again, we have some great farmers and some great ranchers and uh, producers that uh, are uh, that work hard every day, and, and I, I want to make sure that they'll be able to continue their work and, and that no one, because of COVID-19 or any other reason, has to uh, pack up and uh, um, and uh, quit their operation. I want to turn to a positive as we wrap up here. Uh, the word has come to Capitol Hill that July 1, the USMCA will be in effect. Uh, is it time for that to be done, and, and how does that affect your uh, state of Alabama? Well, we will definitely uh, benefit from it. Of course, overall, our ag community will benefit. Uh, poultry, as I mentioned, is, of course, is uh, front and center in a lot of parts of North Alabama in the district I represent, but uh, also, as you may know, we have a lot of car manufacturing uh, that takes place here in the state of Alabama now, so this uh, new trade agreement will benefit that greatly as well. So this will be welcome news for not only, I think, the ag community, but also many other industries, not only in Alabama, but uh, across the country as well. Some of the auto industry had said, yes, we're glad to have it, but maybe not now. Let us address this global, this uh, COVID pandemic before it kicks into gear. Well, obviously that's going to, you know, because a lot of these uh, facilities have had to close down, and uh, not only because I think because of the people in the plants, uh, again, working close together, I'm sure has some impact, but also supply chain. As you know, a lot of these car manufacturers, they operate on a supply chain where just as something rolls off the assembly line, something is being shipped to the particular uh, car uh, uh, maker so that they can get it right back the, the parts on the line for the next car. So it is a very timing uh, sensitive process and because of COVID-19 and this supply chain being down, I think that's what's, what's really hurt it. So I think that will be a factor that's been having me taken into consideration. But at the same time, when this is over, I think, and you know, I think a lot of things will be changing by July and by this summer. And I think that Hopefully, it can make a great transition into that. Congressman, we salute you on 12 terms representing Alabama's 4th District, a strong service for agriculture during your tenure. Thanks for taking time during this pandemic crisis to speak with us here on AgriPulse Open Mic. Uh, sir, it is open mic, so you get the last word as we wrap up. Well, I just want to reiterate uh, about the, the fact that uh, what the broadband issue has really come and, and uh, how it has really brought front and center how we need to really make this priority. Uh, before COVID-19, everybody knew that uh, broadband was important and that we need to do everything we can to make sure that uh, we do provide broadband for rural America, not only for uh, 
educational purposes, healthcare purposes, but also for agricultural purposes. And so uh, trying to make sure that we make this a priority, uh, I think, has hit uh, front and center. And I think this really brought this issue home. So I'm hoping that when Congress gets back to normal operations and we're start to working on these issues, that we can uh, continue to make broadband a priority not only for uh, uh, the large cities in America, but also in rural America and uh, all the parts therein. Our thanks to Alabama 4th District Representative Robert Adderholt, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Bayer Crop Sciences and the Habitality app. Learn more about how you can help monarch butterflies at farmersformonarchs.org. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Dowling.